Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Jeremiah, please. Chapter 29. Praise the Lord. I was thinking as Melinda was speaking and giving her testimony of Daryl's surgery, I remember when that happened, and, and it just so happened, you know how God does those things, just so happens, that our daughter-in-law needed help. I don't remember the exact circumstances, but we were up there, and when she called and things went south in the surgery. See, that's, that's not about how available your pastor and his wife are. That's about how awesome your God is. See, if you, if, you, if you put it on me, you're putting a target on me, right? Because eventually somebody's going to kick me off the pedestal that you build. And, and I don't mean to say that in any sort of arrogance at all. I just say it's not about us. It really isn't. It's about what God does. And so we are so grateful in, in the grace that our leadership has given us to help in, in our, our family, our daughter-in-law, who, by the way, had... Just an amazing week to our knowledge, and we're living in the same house. She did not experience a single symptom that I'm aware of in in the week. So, so uh, we we are we are constantly encouraged. But what we're most encouraged about is the maturity that we see developed in our children. And and it's one of those things that as you age, when you look at your kids, if 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 you are a worldly person, you got a bucket list. I'm a spiritual person. I got that same bucket list. I want my kids to trust God for themselves. I don't want them to have to need someone else to come in. Yep, it's great when, when God does that and they need that. But I want them to first and foremost be the strength of Jesus Christ manifested on the earth. Amen? Amen. Je- Jeremiah chapter 29. Tracy did not get the normal liberties that we have um, this week because of our schedule. Um, Amber had treatment in the morning and treatment in the afternoon, and I had kid patrol. And so we were very busy, and I was writing this. And normally, you know, just in the course of our day, I'm kind of giving her or giving Jeremy uh, a, a pretty big... Uh, uh, a pretty big dose of this throughout the week, but but I was so pre- pleased how Tracy prayed about receiving those things, the fullness of God, and all that. Because we're going to talk about God's future, and and I want you to understand that you can walk in God's amazing future today. Say there, there's just something I'm going to show you here today uh, that that might help you. So here we are in Jeremiah chapter 29. I said that to you in passing last week, and as I was complaining to the Lord. This week in my basement sermon time, I said, God, I don't have anything. I don't know what's next. I, I don't know how to do this. I'm, I'm really not a normal pastor, which please don't amen that, but I'm really not <laughs> a normal pastor. <laughs> I don't have a plan that goes out into the future somewhere and says, oh, yeah, let's do this. My only plan is to hear God's voice. And, and, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to do I'm going to do my best to do what God speaks to me because I believe God is always speaking. The Bible says in in Matthew 4 and 4 that man shall not live by bread alone. His substance and sustenance shall not come from physical things, but rather by every word that proceeds out of the mouth. And so the, the verb tense there means that it is proceeding, it will continue to proceed, and it will never stop proceeding. And so whatever comes out of God's mouth is meant to be substance and sustenance to you. Okay? It's meant to do that. By God, it's meant to do that. 
And so here we are in this time where we say, you know what? The future, if, if I preached this two years ago, some of you would have potentially called me a heretic because of what we were going through. I mean, two years ago, two and a half years ago, the world closed down around us. And we had emotions every which direction. We were ready for a formal uprising. Take up your guns and kill somebody. I mean, it was a serious deal. And, and the complaining and the difficulty and not understanding. And if I would have said then, you can't believe the amazing future God has. People would say, but my presence, my, my present, my present time is so bad that I don't believe it's possible to have a good future. We might have said that. Well, come on now. Don't, don't look up here like I'm, I'm telling you something you don't already know. I mean to tell you, people who evidently are smarter than us, I still challenge that, told us that we should close every business in the world but strip clubs and booze places because they're essential. And the, and the church wasn't essential. And I'm going, somebody's got this backwards. I remember reading a story about a pastor in California that was closed down and he found out that it was, if you were a strip club in California, you could open up because it was essential. And so he took his tie off to rather risque music in the beginning of his sermon. He became a strip club. (laughs) He took off his tie. I just found that, I just found that. If I ever take my tie off in public in front of you like this, you'll know something has happened and it was God. I don't wear this because God told me to. I wear it because it makes me comfortable. I like it. You say, well, you should stop doing it. You should keep your opinions to yourself. Your opinion does not make me comfortable. But this tie, I picked this tie out on purpose. I don't know if you can notice here, but in my coat, I don't, my coat has a little discolored stripe in it. I have my socks in the bedroom we don't sleep in, so I pulled out the drawer this morning, and I thought I got a pair of gray socks. It was dark in there, and I'm, I wouldn't often do this to you, but I want you to notice that these socks are blue. What was I thinking? Here's the thing I'm trying to get you to see is that every day we go through things like this where our life, how many of you got up today and had a bad hair day? Looked in the mirror 17 times and go, what am I going to do with this? Right? Or you got up and, you know, I mean, we're, oh, a lot of teenagers are gone. Maybe you teenagers get up and, you know, you got that, that, that third head growing out of your face. You look in the mirror and you go, dear Lord, how am I going to cover that up? And what I always found interesting about teenagers is they either use a flesh-colored Band-Aid, which, by the way, we notice, or they put enough makeup on this girls. I'm sorry. You know what the boys do? (laughs) Boys are so gross. (laughs) You know, they pick it till they get a big old honking scab, you know, because they don't care. But how many have ever had a bad day that made it seem like your future wasn't going to go very well? I got up recently and determined that while hanging in my closet, two or three pairs of my pants have evidently shrunk. 
a bad day. Couldn't get my hair to do anything this morning. Put on blue socks. Can't imagine how God can do anything with someone like me. It's hard to process our future when we're spending so much time cursing our present. Well, it'll never work if we don't elect the right people. I got news for you. God is not scared of your elections. Or the people that are in there. I still think we should elect people with some semblance of intelligence. But even that's a crapshoot, for heaven's sakes. Just get off, just move on. Verse number 10, chapter 20. I could have just kept right on going into that. Can I tell you what God's going to do? I'm going to go back in. Can I tell you what God's going to do? God's going to prepare you for a season that's coming where you won't be moved by things that aren't of him. Because you're going to get a lot of things that aren't of him. Amen? See, God can do things without you being in perfect shape. Amen. Did you know that in my closet while they were shrinking my pants, that I know a magic place that with three clicks I can get more pants sent my way? What a great future I live in. I did it last week. I didn't remember how many clothes I had up there. And I thought, well, this is never going to work. No one wants to see me less than fully clothed. And so I got on my magic machine and I punched three buttons. And on Thursday, two pair of jeans showed up at my kid's house in my size. Yay me. Man, my future's great. See, and many of us, we don't know what it takes to have a good future. Because we're so busy cursing our present. I'm going to keep saying that until all of your light bulb turns on. Because sooner or later, whatever situation you're in, I don't have any money, I don't like the person I'm married to, my kids are spawns of Satan, I don't care. Sooner or later, your circumstance is going to change. If by nothing else, the spawn of Satan will grow up and move out of your house. Amen. You say, I can't believe you're talking about kids. Come on, parents. You don't say amen out loud, but just give me a casual nod so that nobody else notices that you have raised a child that caused you to struggle every once in a while. Amen. Verse number 10, are you ready? This is Jeremiah 29. This is, this is our coffee cup scripture. For thus saith the Lord God, after 70 years are completed. Everybody say 70 years. Is that the future? 70 years in the future, right? How many of you think their present wasn't necessarily great? They were in captivity. They were slaves. I just got to tell you something. As a free American, slavery does not sound like a good thing to me. I don't even like people telling me when I can eat. I was talking with somebody today, I don't remember who it was, that, that, uh, who was telling me, oh, it's Dean, telling me that, you, uh, I'm sorry, Gail, get ready, here come the bus wheels. <laughs> and they made sugar cookies, and his wife didn't let him eat, or didn't want him to eat any of the raw dough. 
I don't like being controlled. If I'm at your house and you're making cookies, I just want to tell you, with or without washing my hands, I'm getting in the cookie dough. <laughs> you, you just as well. Be, come on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We have this issue, right, where we don't like to be told. And yet we say we're submitted to God whose whole life in us is to tell us what to do. You see why the future is kind of important to get your, get your head and your heart lined up? Because you're walking into it, right? You're, you're, you're going to grow. In some ways, kicking and screaming, you're going to go. This might be one of those series where kicking and screaming gets involved. Notice what it says. For thus saith the Lord God, after 70 years are completed at Babylon. Now, I don't know much about the whole Babylon thing. Let me just tell you that this is not the Shangri-La. This is not the Hotel Hilton on the Waikiki Beach. Okay? It's Babylon. And they don't like the children of Israel. (laughs) Funny sidelight. God sent Babylon to take them captive. Looks like to me that God sent a circumstance that after 70 years really blesses people. But during the 70 years, people complain willy-nilly. Hello. I'm not quite 70. So I haven't had as much experience as, at complaining as some of y'all. But if you're 80 or older, I will tell you, you have a Ph.D. in the potential of complaining because you've seen a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff. See, 70 years doesn't sound like a lot of time till you get close to it. I've been alive a long time. I've been in ministry longer than many of you have been alive. And I still don't know what I'm doing. Seven years of completing Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you. What did he just promise? He said, I'm coming to see you, and when I get there, I'm going to perform my word. Now, let me tell you the difference between how you should read this and how a lot of times we do read it. Because we read this scripture as if it was written to us. We say, yeah, that's us, that's us. It was written to the captive Jews. It was written for everybody in their future. See, if you don't see the difference, you'll say, well, I've got to do all the... Nope. There's a, there's a precept here. And a precept is just literally this, this planned expression of how God did something once and he will do it again. Now, before you get too goofy about that, there are lots of times that God does things one time that we misinterpret. Okay? No one probably besides Peter walked on water. You can fill your bathtub up and say, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to walk on the water. And it's not likely going to happen. Because he didn't write it for us. Right? To us. He wrote it for us. What was the precept? Sold out obedience to God produces things that you can't get your mind around. You say, well, I want to walk on water. What for? 
Really, identify your motives. Why would you want to walk on water? Anybody have any idea? Okay, think like a preacher. Why would I want to walk on water? Because if I can write the book on that formula and maybe bottle up some of the holy water that I walked on and sell it for $19.95 and prophesy that if you had this water, it'd be great. What would that show? That would show my motives, not God's motives. See, sometimes we miss these things because we don't take into consideration our own motives. Many of us want a good future. Take a deep breath. Are you ready? We want a good future because we want to be comfortable and blessed. Just do. That's our motive. That's our motive. I'm learning that I want a good future because look what he says. He says, when I show up, you see it? I will visit you and perform my good word. Listen, if Jesus pulls up in the Holy Ghost machine outside, stay the heck out of his way because he's coming in here to perform his word. Buckle up. Because his work, his word is coming to work in your midst. It makes my sermons, however awesome they are, look like child's play. Because Jesus is coming to perform his good word. And notice that he says his good word toward you. He makes it personal. I told Jeremy when I sent him this and I'm looking at it and I'm, I'm kind of preaching through it in my mind. And I'm thinking, I got like two hours of stuff here and I don't know where I'm going. So I told him, I said, here's the first week and I don't know how much of it I can get to. Because I want you to understand that when we talk about the future, quit putting all the parameters that God has to do on that. Because when he shows up, he's going to perform his word. Okay, some of you, I, sorry, I caught one of you frowning. What we want God to do is show up and perform our word. God, I'm believing you for this. And he shows up and what does he do? This. And we go, yes, I must have prayed right. I must have fasted right. I must have spoke it right. I'm a, man, I'm good. Now we don't say it that way, but we want God to do our stuff. Most of the time we're waiting for God to do something and God is going, I already did it. I wish you'd pay attention to that. The Bible seems to suggest rather strongly Old Testament, Jesus time. I love the fact that Jesus does some really cool things. Remember the story about the guy that was like deaf and dumb, right? And, and Jesus came. He might even have been blind. I don't know. And Jesus came and stuck his fingers in his mouth and then put him in the guy's ear. Remember that? Touched his tongue. First of all, Jesus, keep your hands out of my mouth. Okay, that is just not attractive to me. And so we could make a method out of this. So next week, everybody who comes up for prayer, I'm going to lick my fingers and give you a wet willy first.
That's what Jesus did. See, he wasn't asking us to do it that way. He was asking us to look and see how it applies. If you'll read that passage, what happened was he touched his tongue and he touched his ears because he was deaf and dumb. Couldn't talk clearly. It couldn't hear. So what Jesus did, he says, listen, I'm going to fix these parts of you. The guy who doesn't understand knows that evidently God, Jesus, is going to fix that part. So he touches his tongue and he touches his ear. And then the Bible says he prayed and groaned. Compassion came out of him and told the man, since I'm here, I'm going to do these things that are in my good word. That's that verse. When I show up, I'm going to visit you and perform my good word towards you. You think, well, he's going to stick his fingers in my ear. Not if that's not what you need. It's not a formula, people of God. Now, notice what he says here in the the 10th, 11th verse following there. He says, I'll visit you and perform your word, cause you to return to this place. What place is he talking about? The temple, the place of meeting. They're in Babylon. I don't have time. Verse number 11. For I know the thoughts that I think. Isn't this amazing? That God has to tell his people that he knows what he's thinking about. No, that God knows what he's thinking about. Is this like a duh moment? God says to you, I know what I'm thinking. And what do you do? But I need you to think this way, God. I need you to do these things, God. I need you to fix this, God. And occasionally what happens is God, in the midst of just circumstances that we don't like, and it doesn't have to be that way, but... In the midst of those circumstances, what does God do? He does things that only he can do because he showed up to perform his word. Amen? He said, I know the thoughts I have that I think towards you. Here's a great question. Rather than telling God what you'd like him to think about you, why don't you ask God what he thinks about you? Now, this will help you. But you got to be honest, because most of you think God thinks that you are a knucklehead. Why? See, you say, do you love God? Yes, of course you love God. Do you love him all the time? And then you come up with this reasoning why you can't love him all the time because of how you behave. Well, does God love you all the time? Well, not when I act up. In particular, when you act up. God sent Jesus while you were yet sinner. In particular, he loves you when you act. I don't think that should make you want to act up. You shouldn't be trapped in your present because God has an awesome future for you. See, don't let what God has for your future get bogged down in what you have for your present. There's an awesome future. Notice what he says is, I, I, I know what I think toward you, says the Lord. Now look what he's thinking about. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Okay. Here's what was happening. The people were thinking evidently, right? We're going to read into this because when Jesus shows up, he's going to perform his good word. He's going to perform it for our benefit. So if you read this, like I read this, the bulk of the people in captivity for 70 years were thinking God was doing something evil. Well, why are we in captivity? Duh, 70 years you didn't take the Sabbath. 
70 years, you didn't take the Sabbath. I'm going to redo that for you. That's not evil. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. See, what were they thinking about? How terrible this is. Can I point out to you that today is the best day that you'll ever live called today? It's the best day you'll ever live called today. And if you'll live a good day today, tomorrow has the opportunity of being better. But if you'll live a bad day today with complaints, you'll get up with the residue of that complaint tomorrow. Man, yesterday was bad. You know, I was at church yesterday and that goofy preacher of ours, he evidently was really comfortable and he preached five minutes longer than he thought, we thought he was supposed to. Occasionally, occasionally I stop when the anointing lifts. I'm just paying attention to what God's doing in me. Going, okay, God, because the minute that the me stuff starts coming out, I'm going, that isn't what God wants and isn't what you need. I want Jesus to show up and perform his word. Not, well, boy, Glenn, that was a good in this day. Way to go. And you people who think I preached good, you can't make it to your restaurant of choice and remember what I preached. But boy, it was good. If it was so good, write something down. Well, I'm just going to listen to it again. Write something down and say it out of your mouth because that's why education in our country works so well. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. Write it down. Put it in play. You'll remember it. Now, it's okay, Pastor. It's not that important. Okay. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you a future. What were they thinking about? Why would God have to tell them what he's thinking if what they were thinking wasn't in opposition to what he was thinking. I have a plan to give you a future. Well, I wish you'd have started yesterday because he did start yesterday. And many of us complained our way through yesterday and said, tomorrow will be a better day. Anybody ever, don't raise your hand. Anybody ever done that? Went to bed and said, thank God this day's over. Tomorrow will be better. God's awesome future. God's awesome future of your yesterday was the day before that. <laughs> I know, that really stinks, doesn't it? Come on, back up three days from your worst possible day and hear this sermon. God has an awesome future. Well, if he has such an awesome future for me, well, then why is this happening? You're not seeing what he's trying to show you. He's trying to show you that he has a future for you when you're saying, I would be better if I would just die. And that's not in a spiritual way. People aren't, when people say that, they're not saying, oh, Jesus, I just want to see you. That's not what they're saying. They're saying, I want to be out of this difficulty. It would be better to die than to be in this difficulty. I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. I know the thoughts. Thoughts of peace and not evil. Yesterday, God was thinking for you about peace, not evil. He was thinking for you about your future, not the lack of a future. He was thinking for you about the hope that he causes you to walk in into your future. Hopeless people have a lack of character. 
that has not been developed through perseverance and glorying in the presence of God in those tribulations. It's in the book, Romans chapter 5. Then, then when? When you receive the thoughts that God has for you, then. Do you see it? Thoughts of peace, not of ease. He's, I know the thoughts I have. I have thoughts of peace. When I receive that is the then. Then. Then when? Then when you've received these things, it changes how you call upon the Lord. Nobody signs up and says, oh, Lord, please give me another miserable day. I did so well yesterday, God, I'll just sign up for two more of those in my life. Right in a row. Go ahead, lay it on me. We don't sign up that way. When you get the understanding of what God's going to do in your awesome future, he shows up and performs his word. When you get that, then you'll call upon the Lord. Why? Because you'll call upon him for the things that he's thinking about. Not what you're thinking about. Come on, I can tell what some of you are thinking about already. It's almost lunchtime. Feel my stomach growling. I don't know how warm it got, but the parking lot's kind of muddy. Going to take me a little while to get out of here. Suppose there's anybody here who wants to take me to lunch. Boy, somebody take me to lunch and buy it. That'd be great. I never understand when the pastor goes this long into all this stuff and makes every little piece of word in every scripture a detailed thing. I don't know what he's doing. You know your thoughts? How about if you do God's thoughts? I know the thoughts I have to you, says the Lord. He, he's thinking about blessing you when he shows up to perform his word. Amen? Give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. You don't call upon God correctly when you're operating from a position of lack. I lack, I lack, I lack. Everything I got's going bad. Oh, God, please save me from this terrible time. I'm convinced that when you align yourself with the thoughts of God himself, the scripture in 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, or chapter 2, verse, chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 2 and 16. Put that up for me, please. I think Terry used it in Sunday school today. You see it? But we have the mind of Christ. How do you do that? By thinking the thoughts that God thinks. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Good thoughts. Why? Because he's coming to perform his word right under your nose. Isn't that awesome? Then you'll call upon me. And go and pray to me and I'll listen to you. Now, I understand that you think that God is listening to you when he speaks back to you regularly. But most of the time when we ask questions that don't come from the mind of God, we ask questions about what the mind of God has already put in motion. When God doesn't answer your prayer specifically, it's likely because he already spoke about it in his word. 
He's asking you to live there. See, when God says, this is who I am, he wants you to think that way. He wants you to think that way. Why? Because he's coming to perform those things in your midst. Does that make sense? If God is a God of blessing, stop thinking poverty. You say, well, but I don't have any money. Poverty is never about the money. It's about the thinking that goes towards it. You know, there are a lot of rich people who don't have enough money. A lot of poor people who don't have enough money. They're the same. The difference is that the money or the searching of that caused them to put God second instead of first. They're in the same boat. And when God shows up to perform his word, we want to be in the place where we've said, I know the thoughts the Lord has towards me. One of a future of hope to bless me, not curse me. One of a great future. You say, yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. I understand. Your present circumstances are bigger than your God. I didn't think anybody would amen that. Turn to John chapter 8. I'll close with this, Jeremy. We'll get the problems and all of that next week. I got, I got three problems. You, I guess you have them. If you have our notes, you have those problems. You'll be prepared for next week. John chapter 8. Notice, if you would, please, the 31st verse. Jesus said to those Jews, okay, Who's he writing to? The Jews. Who's he writing for? All that will follow them. Right? Right? No? I know, see, some of you still frown at me like, wait, you mean this isn't for us? Yeah, it's for us. It's not to us. You're not a Jew. You're not living your life based on a performance-based religion that only works if you jump through all the hoops. You're the other people, so you've got to get the principle out of this, not the law. The perspective I want you to get are the precepts, the things that represent how God operates in his future. I want you to get those precepts so that when you kind of belly up against the circumstances, you go, no, wait a minute. God spoke about this. He wasn't speaking to you specifically, but he was speaking for you. You're supposed to take what those things are in there, right? So for an example, when the Bible says that greater works shall you do than Jesus did, if you don't understand how he thinks, you'll say that's an impossibility. If you don't understand the precept... You'll never enter into the greater things. Jesus technically only got one person to a verbal acceptance. That's the guy on the thief. And he says, hey, Jesus, when you're in your kingdom, think of me. And he says, you'll be with me in paradise today. How many people did Jesus get saved? If you've ever led anybody to the Lord, now without any, don't, don't, don't throw rocks at me, but if you've gotten one person saved, you're in your Jesus category. If you've gotten to it through your, you didn't do it, right? But you were the person 
You were sharing the word. And God, through you, led somebody to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And you got two, you've already done the greater works. But if you don't do the precepts, you'll never believe that that scripture can impact your future. If you don't believe that Jesus became poor, Jesus was not poor. Jesus had a financial secretary. A guy that was a knucklehead. He stole from Jesus. Probably he was the guy who didn't like it when the alabaster jar was broken because if he could have put that in the treasury, he could have embezzled from that too. The secretary's name was Judas. Just in case you're all wondering where I was going with that. To those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth and the truth or literally the knowledge of that truth shall make you free. Literally create freedom in you. Skip down to verse 36. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you should be free indeed. That is a principle or a precept that was written to someone else, but when we take those precepts and apply them to our life, they're actually for us. You are free by Jesus the same way that they were. And if you read the in-between verses, the, 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 the Jewish people said, we're Abraham's children. We've never been in bondage. Okay. I don't have time to touch that, but if you've already arrived, then you don't need anything that Jesus is offering. But if you're present is reckon your thought of the future. You need what God is preparing in your future. You need to be able to see that. You need to bring it to your level now. Amen? Because it takes courage. It takes courage to operate, to walk into a future God says is awesome when our experiences have yet to prove that out to our satisfaction. God's future is awesome. But some of our experiences haven't proven that out yet. And so what do we do? We believe experiences over the word. And Jesus says to us the same way that God himself or the prophet said, Jeremiah said to the children of Israel. He said, listen, you don't understand. God knows what he's thinking about you. And in these 70 years, he's going to show you these things. And he's going to show up to prove and to to do his word in front of you. That's a precept. That's a precept that we can hold on to. And we can literally walk into the freedom that God offers. Amen? Amen. Come on, music team. Now listen to me. Listen to me carefully. You're free without respect to your experiences of freedom. You're free because the word tells you. I'm going to show you this next week in great detail. You're free because the word tells you you're free. Does that make sense? Not because you've experienced it. It's believe and then receive. I believe I'm free. As you believe, it changes how you think. See, just like in Jeremiah's time when he said to the the nation of Israel, he said, listen, I need to tell you how God is thinking so you guys can get past this everyday misery that you think you're living in. Because God's going to show up in your future, in your today, and do his word right under your nose. See, there's a great thing happening in our world right now. And actually, it's been happening technically 
for years. God shows up in pockets of people to do things that all the rest of us want. There are half a dozen revivals going on on college campuses today. You say, well, yeah, but let me point out something to you. Whether you go there and experience it or not doesn't change the fact that it's still happening. You do not have to experience that revival to live in the revival that you're in today. Now, we can all fly to wherever that town is, you know, Podunk, Kentucky. I don't know what it's name. I don't mean to make fun. That was, that was uncalled for. You know, a little town in, in Kentucky. Nobody would fly to, to, to Eckley. And yet, I can tell you matter-of-factly that some of you look like you've been burning. Even though your circumstances look like you've been wallowing in the mud. See the difference? You say, wait a minute, which one do you want to choose? Well, choose the wallowing in the mud. That's fine. God will still meet you there. But I will tell you, the fire of God will dry your mud up. We, ju- we just will live there. Amen? Every day. Every day. Because God's awesome future is our option. Amen? Stand with me, would you please? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you today. Your word, Father, how awesome it is to prepare things. They weren't really written to us, but they were written for us. The precepts, Father, that show us your planned future. It's awesome. It's awesome. I thank you, Father, that you give us glimpses at times. We say, yes, I'd like to have some of that, and I don't want to wait till I get to heaven to experience it. I'd like to have heaven come to earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we want, Father. That's the fire we want to burn. It'll change our circumstances. Everyday circumstances, Father, where we need to change so we can think like you because you know the thoughts you have towards us. It's a good future for us, Father, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch sermon slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.